grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. You ever wonder what the world to come is going to be like? If the promise of its perfection is real or if it's just wistful thinking? Remember John Lennon from the Beatles? He actually did. He wondered. He sang the song, Imagine. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. In Lenin's vision, there's no heaven above us, there's no hell below, no consequences for the choices that we make. Living for today with no hope for tomorrow, nothing worth dying for, no commitment, no purpose. Imagine life with all the passion sucked out of it, and I wonder who would want that? If you take the highs and the lows out of life, the joys and the sorrows, you're not left with much. Do you find peace in a world reflected by the kind of turmoil a life like that brings? A different John, a disciple of Jesus, asks us to imagine a different vision. In the Revelation, this John sees heaven coming down to earth. He sees the city of God descending upon us mortals. All that is good, all that is right, and all that is holy coming down in the midst of all that is twisted and confused and filled with turmoil. And in this vision, he sees no temple, for the temple, he says, is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb, Jesus himself. Jesus, who says to his disciples, in the midst of their most tumultuous times, Peace. Peace, I leave with you, my peace I give you. And then he adds that phrase, I don't give as the world gives. What do those words mean for you and I? When we greet one another in the liturgy, what do we mean when we say, peace be with you? What is this peace that the world does not have, does not give? John Lennon represents the world's version of peace very well. Peace as an end to the things that disturb us. Peace as the absence of conflict. But that's not biblical peace, is it? Biblical peace is being 
at one, at one with God, at one with our neighbors, and at one with ourselves. Biblical peace is more than the absence of war. It's the elimination of the root causes, like greed and hatred and fear and their children, injustice, intolerance, and prejudice. John, the disciple, asks us to imagine not only the absence of pain and distress, but a cure for the disease that causes the pain in the first place. That's what Jesus was about when he walked among us. It's what Jesus is about now through his Holy Spirit as he teaches and heals and guides through his word. That's what the church is about as we await the holy city. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. This is the message that St. Paul was so passionate about sharing as he made his way through the region of Persia and Galatia. And something interesting happens as you listen to the lesson from the Acts of the Apostles on this mission trip of theirs. If you pay attention, he tries to go on a path that he has mapped out for himself, doesn't he? And if you look at verses 6 and 7 in our lesson today from Acts, the Holy Spirit first keeps them from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And then when they enter the border, the Spirit doesn't allow them to enter there either. Now Paul has plans. He has really good plans to share the exciting and wonderful good news, but his plan hits a dead end. Not once but twice. Imagine that. Imagine the door being shut on plans that you think are good and right and holy. I wonder why. A door closes and we're given a choice to either give up or press on in faith. And notice what they do in verse 8. They passed by Mysia and they went down to Troas, Instead, See, they kept on seeking God's purpose, believing that his no would lead to an even better yes. Had they tried to force the issue and stay where they were, surely it would have led to no good. For isn't that what happens when we push on a door that's obviously been closed. When we force the issue when the obvious answer is no. As I look back on my own life, and you know hindsight is 2020, right? We can see God so clearly in our past. I'm glad that my own plans haven't always succeeded, because if they had, I never would have been in the right place at the right time to meet my husband, Jeff. And I would never have gotten ordained. 
and I wouldn't be preaching God's word here to you this evening. Only when I look back, I can see God's hand crystal clear in the events that led to all of those blessings. The question becomes, are we open to how the Holy Spirit works in our lives? Will we give the Holy Spirit the room to replace our desires with his will and his purpose for our life? It's only after Paul gives up his plan, even though it's a good one. Remember, he's all about sharing the good news of Jesus. It's only when he yields to the Holy Spirit that he gets clarity about what to do next and where. Macedonia becomes God's yes, and they all gear up to cross the boundaries by taking the gospel to Europe for the very first time. And here's an interesting point in verse 10. Luke says that after Paul had seen the vision, if you read all before Acts, it had been written in the third person. But here in verse 10, it switches to we. We got ready to leave for Macedonia. Luke the author of Acts, joins the journey. Isn't that cool? So this layover serves not only for clarity, but it also serves for helping what's ahead for other people to join the journey. And those times in our own lives, those in-between times when nothing seems to be happening, even then, God is tilling the soil. God is preparing and equipping us for what's yet to come. In verse 13, you'll notice that once they arrive in Macedonia, they went outside the city gate to the river where they expected to find a place of prayer. See, in the absence of a synagogue, Devout Jews would meet at a nearby river for prayer. Paul probably expected to meet the man from his vision there. But this prayer meeting is all women. Again, the Holy Spirit surprises Paul and completely blows away all his expectations. And among that group of women is a woman named Lydia. Lydia is an independent, self-made businesswoman who deals in rare, high-end purple cloth. Purple cloth used for royalty. So she's making some good money there. She's a Gentile who worships the God of the Jews, but she hasn't yet heard about Jesus. In other words, she's what the Bible calls a person of peace. When Jesus sent out the 72 into the towns and the cities where he himself would go, he gave them instructions. You remember? He says, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace, someone who's a person of peace, is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Well, this Lydia was a person of peace. Who do you know? that's like that? Who do you know 
That when you extend peace, it rests on them, that they are a person of peace. Someone who's open, someone who's searching, someone who may be ready to receive what Jesus has to offer. Lydia's heart was wide open to respond to Paul's message. And she's so moved by the notion that Jesus would love her. That he would love her so much that he would die on the cross to forgive her sin and rise from the dead so that she could have life and have it abundantly, that she and her entire household are baptized. And she invites Paul and those who are with him into her house. All the detours, all the frustration, and all the recalculating of his plans have led Paul to this woman, Lydia, who will become the leader of the first Christian church in Europe. It's no accident that the Holy Spirit led him there. Her wealth and her generosity will finance subsequent mission trips and mission projects that will have a far-reaching impact for the kingdom of God in that area and beyond. And here's the thing. That same Holy Spirit who guided Paul wants to guide you and wants to guide me. And the question is, how open are we to his will and his plan and his purpose? Are we open enough to lay down our own will and our own plans and our own purpose? Where have you seen God at work this week? That's a great conversation to have when you go home tonight. Who's your Lydia? If you don't know, ask God to show you who's that person you want me to have a conversation about you with. Ask the Holy Spirit to open a door of opportunity for you, just like he did for Paul. Can you just imagine telling people not that hell awaits them, but that heaven is coming for them? Can you imagine showing them by instead of complaining about all the things that are wrong with the world in the workplace or at church or at home, you would instead do as Paul and John and choose instead to claim the promise and the praise of God for all so that they could get a glimpse of the holy city. Imagine what our church would be like, and eventually this whole community of Grove City, if instead of sweating the small stuff, because in reality, it's all small stuff, we would get a hold of the promises of God that Scripture proclaims and look to the light instead of the darkness and proclaim the light into the darkness for those who need to hear it most. Imagine being a church who knows, who really knows that its task is to act like heaven is coming and to bear witness to heaven here on earth, here and now. 
This church isn't simply just a refuge for us to come from the pain of the world where we gather to generate a little peace for two or three hours a week. It's a launching pad that sends us back out there as changed people to make a difference. And then imagine what it would look like if each and every one of us would walk through that door and dare to give a reason for the hope that's in us. Would dare to say, I hope because of Jesus Christ. Imagine in his name and for the sake of his kingdom. Amen. Will you stand with me and profess the faith that we believe in him? The faith that he wants us to proclaim to others. Amen.